It's February. The NBA trade deadline is in one week. What do the Pacers need to consider after making their big move earlier this month? What are all the things that could be coming for them this week? Who better to talk about that than ESPN front office insider and former Nets executive Bobby Marks? We'll get to all of it today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, y'all? Happy Thursday, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, really fun show coming. It's February, it's trade deadline month. It's Thursday. The trade deadline's in exactly a week. So, that is, of course, the topic. Uh, of the day, and who better to dive into the trade deadline with than ESPN front office insider and former Nets executive Bobby Marks. We get into everything, how the Pascal Siakam trade changes, how the Pacers had to think about their team and their moves. They have more expectations now. They have more urgency to win now. What's that going to look like? We talk about the expiring contracts, what the Pacers need to think about with guys who could be free agents this summer, their second-round picks, what those could mean, their crowded front court, all sorts of key topics heading into the deadline. Bobby's insight, so appreciated. He's been there, done that, and knows this stuff like the back of his hand. Really fun podcast. You will learn a lot today. Let's just dive right in with ESPN's Bobby Marks. We've got ESPN front office insider, former Nets front office personnel leader. I don't know. I don't know if you have so many jobs that you prefer <laughs> from your Nets days. It's Bobby Marks here to talk Pacers ahead of the trade deadline February right around the corner. Bobby, how are you? Are you keeping your head above water with the many things going on uh, around the league these days? You know, this is one of those times where I wished I lived on the West Coast, right? Because <laughs> of the, um, you know, the last thing you want to do is wake up at like two in the morning and then have like a trade notification and you've missed what has happened. Fortunately, there hasn't been outside of, you know, certainly the Pascal trade, which happened like kind of like around lunchtime, um, you know, it and OG was right around uh, New Year's Eve. Um, we have not had any of those middle of the night, the James Harden type trades that we saw back in uh, uh, October 31st slash November 1st here. So, uh, but we'll probably get active as, as you know, everybody kind of reacts a little bit differently when there's a, there's a deadline um, that you're faced with and, certainly how some of these new rules are going to have effect where it's kind of like, you know, a lot of these teams are like in this use it or lose it when you've got cash to send or trade exceptions to use and, uh, and all that. And, uh, and certainly losing doesn't help either losing, you know, that, that's why I would say like, it's, it's, um, you know, in season trades, um, you know, there's a little more pressure because in the off season, everybody loves, loves their roster, you know, and in season you're, you know, you just lost by 20 the night before and you're like, Oh my God, I need to go out and get a point guard now and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to uh, the deadline on February 8th. I'll never forget yeah. being in Illinois for a family 4th of July event and the 3 a.m. Kawhi Leonard trade notification and the Clippers night was crazy. If I was in LA for that, it would have been a lot better. Yeah. I mean, we were in Bristol. Um, Woj and I were in Bristol for that and it was, we, oh God, I pulled an all-nighter. You know, I hadn't pulled an all-nighter since college. Um, <laughs> and as far as that was, um, that was, you know, that summer of 19 with Durant and Irving going to Brooklyn and then um, the Kawhi trade, um, uh, Kawhi signing, Paul George trade. Like, you know, I was a great waiting for Paul, uh, for Kawhi. You know, it was a, that um, was a crazy, um, that was a, you know, certainly a crazy offseason. Unusual waiting for anybody these days. So, 
You have been a part of a front office that made significant trades, obviously, and with the name of upgrades in mind. The Pacers just did that, right? Siakam is yep. now on their team. They have different goals now. So when you make a trade like that in a front office and it changes your immediate direction, how do, how long does it take for your kind of thinking to change and, and catch up on like, okay, here's what our roster looks like now within the structure and goals that we have versus what we had even three weeks ago? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, you know, Indiana went from like this cap space team flexibility wise, um, you know, and now all of a sudden like, oh, we've got to worry about the luxury tax next year. Right. Like <laughs> right. it's and I, and I was there um, in, in New Jersey. We went through the same thing, like 10, 11 season, you know, we got all this flexibility, cap space, draft picks, and then we go get Darren Williams. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute. Now we're, we're we might be a luxury tax team down the road. And it's, it changes kind of your thinking as far as what, how the pieces fit. Um, you know, certainly with, uh, with Indiana who go out and get Pascal, uh, you know, as a free agent likelihood, it will come in at a you know pretty significant number. And then you add that with um, Tyrese's, you know, rookie extension kicking in. Now you've got like your two top heavy guys, right? Your two main guys. And I think that's how, you, how this new CBA is setting it up where you have like, two, two, um, two max type guys. And then everyone else kind of filters in now what, what it does is now, you know, and in team in a team raised this, um, you know, this, this, um, brought this up to me. It's like, you know, in the back of the, the old days, you would just have to go into Kevin Pritchard's office and say, KP, this deal is going to cost us $25 million in luxury tax penalties. Right. And now it's like, okay, it's going to cost us the tax. And, but how does it impact the first apron? How does it impact the second apron? How does it impact the lug? You know, there's all these different kind of ramifications. How does it impact us bring back Obi Toppin, who's a restricted free agent, or Buddy Heald, or do we maybe look to move off one of those guys before February 8th? And, and because of where your finances are, that it is, you know, as I said, like you go from, you know, having $30 million in potential cap space to now you've got $150 million in salary and a luxury tax at 172. And, and you're looking at all these different these options here. The beauty of it is, and, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of teams about this is like, you know, one of the, my big questions is, is how, what's the perfect roster under this new collective bargaining agreement? Like what's the perfect way to build it? And we're going to learn a lot, but a lot of people have said Indiana, like Indiana, what they've done, because I know the picks went out to, um, to Toronto in that, in that deal, but how they have the, uh, the Aaron Naismith extension, a really good number. Um, you still have Matherin. You still have um, Isaiah Jackson. Some of your younger players, uh, Nemhard. Some of your younger players, and then Miles is the third highest guy at you know twenty million dollars. Um, there's there's a structure there where it's not like you know like Phoenix is tough because you have three max guys and ten minimums. Like that's where that's when you run into that danger zone a little bit here because you're basically turning over your roster every um, every year and everything like that. So that's yeah, that there's a lot of different decisions there as far as what Indiana is faced with. But it, as you said, like it goes from kind of that cap space to now we're a team that's, you know, hey, we're 23 million below the tax next year. How we have to prioritize what, who our free agents are. Is it, it would it be strange too if, you know, the trade was January 8th, 8th, 19th, 18th, whatever it was officially that, you know, now they're, they're thinking about winning this year. Whereas before yeah. the season, Chad Buchanan said, we have this long term. My part in the back of our head. So now you have three weeks, basically a little over three weeks until the deadline itself to 
evaluate your new rotation, your new team um, within winning goals? Like, do you feel like that's any sort of challenge or do you feel like they already have enough data on their current team to assess that part of it? Yeah. I mean, it changes the goalposts a little bit here. I mean, I think the big thing is that, you know, yeah, you, you'd love to see this roster healthy and healthy. What I mean is, you know, Hal Burn at full strength. I think he's still kind of trying to come back and figure out, you know, from that injury here, I think, you know, it's it's amazing because I was just talking to Tim Bontemps about this here, and you know, we're you, you guys are going to be talking a lot about it. Is the sixty-five game? Yep, pool. already are. Yeah, but yeah, and and the one thing you don't want, and and he's different than uh, Embiid. Like the Halliburton situation is different than Embiid, where Embiid is had won the MVP already, right? Halliburton's got forty an extra forty million dollars as far as where, um, you know, what's riding as far as him getting that 65 games and everything like that and um so it does change the goalpost because you are that team that was kind of you know fighting to get in um you know as a you know a six seed and stuff like that now we go out and trade three first round picks and now we're expected to try to get into that four or five or maybe avoid the play-in and, and everything like that but i think the trade is is set up more for next year also um, and future years here, um, because those in-season trades are extremely hard to make and have a significant impact where it is taking you kind of to a Eastern Conference Championship or an NBA, uh, you know, an NBA Finals. Hey guys, short little break here. I have to talk to you about the level of people over at Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, where it's simple what you do. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch your winnings roll in, for example. Steph Curry, more than or less than 29 points. Nikola Jokic, more than or less than 10 rebounds. You can do that for two to six players with similar lines to that every night. It's an absolute blast. You can do their specials leagues for a little while longer uh, with their combo football basketball leagues. For example, a combo of Travis Kelsey plus LeBron James at 10 and a half three-pointers made plus receptions. You can play alongside their celebrity players like rapper Meek Millen, comedian Andrew Schultz, and they have a reboot policy. So if your players get hurt you can stay in the game you've got to check it out go to pricepicks.com slash lockdown nba and use the code lockdown nba for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars again that's pricepicks.com slash lockdown nba with the code lockdown nba for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars at prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy this is in an interesting spot to me right now where you know they have two expirings but one of them is a restricted guy and the other one's buddy healed who Clearly, they wanted to extend him before the season, even though it it ended or and before the season, but it ended up being what it is now. What do you feel like are the big things for them heading into the deadline now that they've made the Siakam trade? Is it the top and heeled expirings? Is it something with their kind of crowded front court? What stands out to you as their next yeah. big thing they have to think about? Yeah, I mean, top end's a little bit different because, as, as you said, he's restricted, right? So you've got the right to match. Um, you can you basically control restricted free agency unless he comes in with an offer sheet, and then you're forced to to um to make a decision there um healed i think healed is and there's there's a balancing act with with buddy and i wrote about it is that what are you selling to your locker room if you're saying we're trading buddy healed for um, a first round pick where you have a guy that maybe can it will can help you in a playoff game but we're going to pick up a draft asset here because we think we're going to lose and you i mean you you um, I mean, I'm just looking back to when, you know, you know, didn't, didn't sit well with Pacers fans when uh, Danny Granger got traded for Evan Turner. And that kind of like just the locker room dynamics, because there is more than just we're trading and expiring because we don't want to pay him or the luxury tax. But there's that locker room dynamic there 
that maybe you don't do anything with either. And maybe you just go into the offseason here because you could always do a sign and trade. You could always do something where, you know, maybe you're trading him and creating a trade exception here in that regards. And you're, you're picking up a, a couple second rounds um, and you don't have to do anything, you know, just because they're going to you know, potentially become free agents there. Yeah, with Heald, I have a couple things that I, I wonder. One is, you know, if they do a trade like you just described, the value has to be high enough that they say this is worth us being wor- worse in a year that we want to make the postseason or have talked about making the postseason. And so it doesn't have to be trading Buddy Heald for equal value. It has to be trading in front of value to also lose that part of it, which on a team like this where everybody's talked about making the postseason all year is a tricky message to send. And the other thing with him that I've thought about is, his salary slot's now kind of important in the new CBA. You've kind of described this stuff. So losing him is kind of painful, right? You need those $20 million guys around. So, But also trading him for a long-term salary, you run into tax concerns. So it's a kind of a tricky balance. And with Toppin, the other thing I wondered is, I mean, he he doesn't meet starter criteria. So his qualifying offer isn't super high, but like he might just sign it, right? <laughs> given, given the Pacers situation. So yeah. how does that all fit into what they think of him? This summer, it's only like a little under $8 million if he doesn't make starter criteria. Yeah. But even that, with their luxury tax bill is something to think about. So while I agree I think, they could keep up easily, and go ahead. I think, Tony, I think the luxury tax, and this, a team brought this up to me, is not going to be as important as it once was because the rates are going down. Yeah. And I know it's important to get the distribution right. as far as where that is. And I think the distribution will, will get lower as this uh, apron kind of takes a bite out of Golden State and the Clippers and their tax figures come down. And in um, in two years from now, you're basically looking like, um, you know, a dollar for dollar if you get in. Um, I would have loved to seen, um, you know, that you, you get in and then you still get some type of distribution back. I, I thought that would have been smart as far as allow teams to spend more. Um, so I think the tax, um, although it is, you know, you, you don't want to be a tax paying team, um, doesn't have as much bite as it maybe did in the, in the past. Um, so you right. can get your toe in there. I think you made up a good point about in this new CBA with those salary slots, those like, those like 15 to $20 million guys are extremely, extremely valuable. We're seeing it right now where, I mean, you can make an argument that Bruce Brown and Malcolm Brogdon and all those guys who are making $20 million are more valuable than Zach Levine. <laughs> I mean, that's just really seems that way. Yeah. yeah. It's just the reality of it. And um, like New York's going to go through with Fournier. Like Evan Fournier is more, more valuable than Zach Levine. And people are like, wait a minute. Guy in pay averages three minutes. No, he's got an $18.9 million contract. He's got a $19 million team option for next year. And he fits if you want to go out and make another deal, right? Like if you want to take his contract and aggravate it or flip it for something else, um, it, it you know, those are the type of deals that – or contracts that you want to have. Yeah. And, and the other thing I think for the Pacers that could be appealing if they could find a way to do it, this is obviously fantasy land is one of those nice mid twenties descending contracts. Look at Bo yeah. Dan Bogdanovich. That is uh, I think every team should be calling the Hawks and their financial situation about it. But of course, you know, PJ Washington, similarly, that's fantasy land to acquire yeah. a player just for their contract. But that is, in the Pacers situation, something that would be appealing. So I agree with you that Toppin and Heald are interesting names to monitor, but I also agree that keeping them for the rest of the season, figuring out in June and July could be interesting. And something that hasn't really been discussed as it relates to the trade deadline, and I don't think it's a big deal, but now teams can negotiate with their own guys before everybody else. Do you feel like that's going to change anything when free agency starts the day after the finals or not? Not that much. 
No, probably not. <laughs> I, think I, it just, it, I just think it makes it cleaner, right? Yeah, I don't. Right. I just think it makes it cleaner where you're not hiding around, hiding in the bushes anymore. I and I think it. I think it just opens up the dialogue where maybe it eliminates maybe some of these other teams that have kind of trying to figure out what the marketplace is, and you're going back channels here. And you're and if you're um, if you're Buddy and or or Ob and you're you know you're on the roster in the offseason and you know, the finals ends on June 16th, you have a, you know, you have a basically a two week window to figure out kind of what your marketplace is, is uh, going to be. But a lot of that, as you know, a lot of that stuff happens kind of around. Yeah. You go, you find a guy down in the coffee shop in Chicago and you, you start talking about Buddy Heald as far as what his, um, you know, what the, what, what his number could be. But I think, you know, certainly the marketplace dictates that as far as, you know, where teams are with cap space and who's got exceptions. I think what will be interesting for Toppin is, is that, you know, the rules are changing where, you know, you can acquire players by using your exceptions. So if you have, yeah, if you have got, if you got the $13 million uh, non-tax, it's almost like a trade, it's a trade uh, exception for you. I mean, there's different ramifications for it because it will trigger you know, whether it be the, you know, the first apron there and how does that impact free agency? How does that impact free agency? If teams are just sitting there saying, you know what, we're going to wait for a trade to happen. We're going to use our exceptions towards that and not towards the free agent. I wonder if his qualifying offer fits in the non-tech or the regular tax mid level. I'd have to double check. That's probably, probably not because that thing's yeah. low. <laughs> One more break here, guys, so we can talk about the lovely folks over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate. The big game is getting Close and FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is the way to go. If you are like me, you're going to be on Super Bowl Sunday sitting on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, hanging out with your friends. And for some of you, that will include placing some super bets on FanDuel. They have so many ways for you to end your season with a W. Two, three, four Ws, however many you're getting into. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown or how many total points will be scored and so much more new customers join today on FanDuel. You'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, how about that? $200 in bonus bets. But for that offer, you got to go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown and sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports book of the NFL. So something I, else I'm curious about with the Pacers, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Now that they have Siakam, they went from a team with maybe one too many guards. To now they have probably one too many frontcourt players, right? If fully healthy, Siakam, Neesmith, Turner, um, Obi, and Jalen Smith would probably be the guys that play there. And that leaves Isaiah Jackson and Jarris Walker presently out. And I get why Jarris Walker can still have long-term value, whatever. But Isaiah Jackson, you mentioned him earlier, like is a good young player. On one hand, with young players, the team that has them puts the most value in them because they've developed them, they've made decisions with them in mind. But on the other hand, if they have, if they're not playing, their value is less to you now. How would you kind of think about that as the Pacers? Young players like that are like I'm going to use a baseball analogy. They're like middle um, uh, middle reliefers, uh, relief pitchers. They're the guys that come in in sixth or seventh inning that gets you like two outs when you need it, right? And but you might not use them for another week. <laughs> you know, like it's, a, and that's kind of, that's like situational because they're on such a good contract or on rookie contracts. Um, you know, Isaiah is at two, seven, right. 2.2% of the cap and stuff like that. But then what happens though, is that all of a sudden you look up 
And you're like, oh, wait a minute, he's going into his fourth year of his contract. We've got to figure out what what to do with uh, what to do with him. And as you said, you're you know, so you're certainly not going to do anything with Walker because he fits. If your salaries get to be high, he's one of those guys where you've got these, you know, like Matherin, right? You're on these right. great contracts. Um, it fits kind of the, the, the ecosystem of the salary cap here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if, if something w- would make sense, if a team comes in and offers something and it makes sense, and if you can maybe build back your draft equity a little bit there, then that's something that you can, um, you can certainly look at. The, I'm, I'm sure my listeners are dying to know the answer to this question, but they now have three second round picks in the fifties and might not even have three roster slots. Do you even think about that as a trade deadline thing that matters for them to consider? Well, here's the thing, though, um, you know, because what you're going to see is like, you know, there's a third of the league is not going to be is going to be apron teams, potentially. They want those. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there goes the cash. Right. No more cash in a in a, um, in a in a deal. If you're a if you're a second apron team here. So, um, you know, those do those turn into maybe your two way guys. Um you know, maybe if, you know, you know, it's going to be maybe less activity that we've maybe seen in the second round just based on what these uh what these new rules are these are dramatic picks now bobby they get their own day of coverage they get four minutes per pick these are a big deal <laughs> i know i just saw that <laughs> second day of the nba draft right we got uh we can focus that'll be a big day about about uh focusing in on the, on the pacers there in the 50s <laughs> that's, that's their day uh is there anything else you feel like we haven't touched on with the Pacers. The only thing I feel like we haven't mentioned is Heald would still be extension eligible if he isn't traded, but that's only with the Pacers. But I mean, who knows what they're at, where they're at with that. But is there any other consideration you feel like this team needs to have these next, this next week or so? Listen, you know, before the trade, I thought there was a lot of talk about TJ um, as far as his value. I mean, TJ's got a lot of value to the Pacers. He's got, as you know, he's got one of the great contracts, right? He's like, you know, when we talk about Alex Caruso contract, He's, you know, that's where, you, you know, where you got a partial for next year and he fills a role um, and he's, you know, fits, he fits what Rick is trying to do here. So guys like that are um, invaluable to what, um, to what you're doing here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm just looking at their, their, their you know, their, their cap sheet here right now, you know, they're, it's a, it's a deep roster. I think you've seen a lot more of Ben Shepard a little bit lately. Um, yep. You know, when people probably think, was that a sign that, you know, that maybe they're phasing out heel? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but I think it's, you know, you're kind of, as, as you said, you're kind of in this in-between phase where you made a big deal, a big trade. Um, it changes the goalposts a little bit around. Um, you go from like that expectation of like what's next to now, like, you know, now we have to take another, you know, getting into the first round might not be good enough, or maybe it is based on how that series goes here. Um, but the beauty of it is that because you did that deal, um, you know, what two, I guess it was two weeks, two or three weeks ago, you're not faced with 20 games left in the season. Like you still have, you know, there's, you know, with Halberton back and getting him healthy, you still have kind of a lo- little bit of a longer runway than you would have done at the deadline. Yeah, McConnell, big winner from the Siakam trade because Bruce Brown went out, right? So now yeah. he has minutes. And credit to his agent for doing this four wow. years ago, but his partial is so high yeah. that you don't have to decide if he's worth $9 million. You have to decide if he's worth $4.3 million. Yeah. And obviously he is, so I assume that would get picked up, although flexibility could be valuable to some teams. So he seems like a big winner from all this to me. And I think that outside of the expirings and maybe a small front court trade, the Pacers might just – see what they've got with this team and figure out, okay, 
let's see what we are in the postseason, and it's easier to assess what you need to be better in the playoffs with playoff experience. So that's a big part of it. Yeah, I mean that's it. And I, I, I just did a video on the Kings, um, and I, and I said that like you know, Sac- and it's kind of like somewhat similar situation, maybe where Sacramento was. You're the one thing you don't want to do is make a deal, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, now we're a playing team, or now we're fighting to get in. Right. And season deal here where, you know what, let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to a first round series. Let's see where we are. Similar to like Oklahoma city. Well, Oklahoma city could go through where this group as together, you know, getting in a first round series, you know what, maybe we need to go at it and get a, um, another guard or another, we needed more shooting and stuff like that. And then you can go about and, and address that in, in the off season. Bobby, invaluable insight into this Pacers team and the league's happenings. Thank you very much for the time today. I know most people probably know already, but where can people keep up with the th- stuff you're putting out about all 30 teams heading into Yeah, the- we've got, uh, I think, 18 trade guide videos up on uh, YouTube on the ESPN section. We've got full content on ESPN.com. Um, trade guides, two trade guides, um, short novels, as I call them, as far as what's uh, out there. And we'll have more content over the next week. Invaluable resources. I miss watching Bobby Mark's Instagram videos about uh, random trades now. They've migrated. Yeah, you know, I've, be- I've become big time. You know, I've- I finally have figured out technology and stuff as far as, uh, you know, as far as putting a, a three-minute video on my uh, Instagram page and stuff like that. <laughs> Bobby's on Twitter at BobbyMarks42. You can find this show at Lockdown Pacers and me at Tony R. East tomorrow. Talking Pacers Knicks, talking Pacers Kings, all sorts of fun game stuff, and there'll be a lot of trade coverage heading into the deadline. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon.